0: Welcome to this, the ninth episode of this second series of the RISE Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, the self-appointed cheerleader-in-chief of Irish Theatre, Angus Oag-McAnally, Artistic Director of RISE Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at RISE. I am a 21-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And of course, this second series is brought to you thanks to the generous support of the Arts Council of Ireland. Now, each week, we bring you these conversations absolutely free of charge. We've promised we'll never, ever charge for this podcast, but we are looking for you to go and put your money back into Irish theatre. It's the whole ethos behind this podcast to support, promote, and celebrate all that's great about Irish theatre and of course the simplest way to do that is to go and buy yourself some theatre tickets whether that's top price tickets at one of the bigger houses maybe some more affordable tickets at a smaller fringe venue or regional venue or of course you can always go and look at one of the crowdsourcing websites like a fundit.ie or an indiegogo or something like that see if there's a theatre project over there that might be worthy of your support donations often start from as low as a fiver and there are always great rewards in return for your donations but of course there are ways you can support without having to put your hand in your pocket. Go and tell people about this podcast, help us get the word out about these shows. Go and tell them whether that's in person over a cup of coffee or a pint or whether it's by sharing the link as a Facebook post or retweeting the link on Twitter. You can subscribe to our podcast over on iTunes, which does a huge amount to bump us up in algorithms and all that kind of stuff that I don't understand but need to be able to do. And of course the podcasts are streamable and available for direct download over at riseproductions.ie. Um, do go back and listen to all the other episodes both in this second series and the full 52 episodes of our first series. Leave us a review on iTunes if you would. That would be a huge help to us uh, this week. We're kind of lashing through these episodes at a, at a serious rate. We're now on episode 9 so I guess we're pushing for 20% of the way through this second series so there may be hitting a little bit of a plateau there. I mean we're delighted we're getting literally thousands of downloads every week which is kind of amazing. Um, but it'd be great to give it another little boost. So if you have a bit of time this week do head on over and of course the Rating system is the easiest of all. It's a five-star rating system. It's a one-click deal. It'll literally take you one second, but it does a huge amount uh, for us. And of course, as ever, you can follow us on Facebook. We are facebook.com forward slash RiseProductionsIreland or you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Rise Ireland. And so that brings us to our guest this week who is none other than the brilliant Rachel O'Byrne. Now... Anyone who's followed the work that we've made here at Rise over the last few years will be very familiar with Rachel but to be fair, anyone who's been to any theatre in the last few years will probably be very familiar with her. With us, she starred in at the Ford at the Dublin Theatre Festival she was in Cobra's Quest for us at the Fringe last year she did the site-specific film installation piece we did at the Mansion House for their 300th anniversary celebrations with Mike Sheehan and Ian Lloyd-Anderson and of course she got those rave reviews as Jane in our most recent nationwide tour of Christian O'Reilly's The Good. Father. Now, if that sounds like a lot of work for someone who's not yet four years out of drama school, that's because it is, because she's just that good. Rachel is absolutely my kind of actor. And I can now say that in terms of me being an audience member watching her, being a scene partner playing opposite her, and being a director in a rehearsal room with her. She is everything I look for in an actor. Her listening, and you'll hear us talk about it during the conversation, but her listening is incredible, maybe the best I've ever seen, and it's that that I really respect and admire because that's not the flashy stuff that makes you a star, in inverted commas, but it's what makes you a truly brilliant actor, and it's what other pros notice, and it's what other pros respect. But I also really admire the articulate intelligence she brings to the process, the passion, the work rate especially, and the steely determination to fight her character's corner. Look, I'm going to stop talking now before she dies of embarrassment, but let's get straight to it. Here it is. The brilliant Rachel O'Byrne. The wonderful Rachel O'Byrne on the podcast (laughs) at long last. How the hell are you?
1: I'm fine. How are you?
0: I'm really good. Um, Let us start, as we always do, to prolong me embarrassing about telling you how great you are. Let's start, as we always do, by going back to the very beginning. Yeah. When did it first occur to you to possibly look at a career in the business? Uh,
1: Well, I don't think it ever... um, I don't think it ever didn't occur to me, is more the thing. Yes. Um, um, My parents were both, well, my dad was an actor, and my parents were, like, from when I was tiny, they were really involved in, uh, like, musical societies and uh, doing stuff all over the place, um, amateur and professional, and uh, and so me and my sister both, grew up in it basically like we used to get brought to rehearsals <laughs> from when we before we could walk basically um so it was never really not going to be the case
0: interesting because I, I would because i would feel the same way like it was just i yeah. think it was always going to be there but the having been around it and whatever else the decision then to go actually this is how i'm going to go and pay my bills versus i really enjoy doing this and in the way that some people keep playing soccer through their lives that you could keep doing that like it was there was there ever a shift then? I don't know. As a teenager, to go, actually, I can do. I can do this for real.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, like, because I was growing up in it, like that. That you know, I knew that it. It. it was all. Um. I knew that I could make a living out of it because I just that's what I was seeing. So like, I don't. I mean, when I was like maybe fifteen or sixteen, my mom was like, "Listen, would you think about? I've seen this thing on the TV. They're looking for speech and language therapists." you'd be really good at that, why don't you? So I did like for my transition year um, work experience, I went to um, a school in St. Pat's and Drumcondra where they were like, they had this whole speech and language uh, programme for young people. I did my um, work experience there and everything. And I was kind of like, but that was more because people told me that I should be doing it because, no, because like in school I was good academically and like I had all these, like the possibilities were there that I could do whatever, but, that was never really what I wanted to do. Like, there's only ever really been this, I think.
0: Okay, so as we go, as we transition from transition year, yeah. <laughs> uh, and leaving, start starts to come down the tracks. Uh, you're looking around at options for afterwards. Mm. And am I right in thinking that you were the first year for whom the old BTS stroke BAS stroke three-year actor vocational training program Trinity then suddenly wasn't there? Yeah. When so when did that when did you realize it wasn't there and what did you do at that stage. Had you your um, accent on it?
1: No, absolutely not. Like while I knew that I, I was or rather while I never considered any other um career or industry, like I didn't I kind of don't think I've really admitted that I wanted to be an actor until I was probably accepted into the lear. Like after college and after everything. Like I it wasn't I mean I think that if the BAS or the BTS had been there, I probably would have gone for that but I didn't because it wasn't I didn't um consider go doing all the UK drama schools or anything like that and even when I was coming out of uh, Trinity I the Lear was the only place that I applied for
0: really
1: yeah That's, that's <laughs> like sad. yeah I just kind of thought um like it was a weird uh I don't know suppose like serendipity or something that like it finished the year I was going in and the Lear started the year I was coming out and I just thought well that's kind it's of, a sign from God. Yeah, or something I'm going to go for. Because the other things that I was looking at doing were like um, actually uh, BAs or MAs in directing. Or, yeah. Um, That's very interesting. Or, because or, I... Yeah, because I never really had the confidence to admit that I wanted to be an actor.
0: That's fascinating. So then, okay, so take me back. You uh, So then Leaving Cert arrives and you're going, okay, there's no... B A S, B T S, yep. whatever. So let's do the real drama degree in Trinity? I did
1: the I did the real drama degree, but I did it with French.
0: Nerd. Yeah. Um <laughs> Okay, so now that, that is eight million points to get into, isn't
1: it? Um yeah, it's quite high, yeah.
0: Okay. Did you have people going why would you waste it on a drama degree? Why didn't you go and do medicine yeah. or law?
1: The day that we got our leaving cert results, I was in the airport going to the Buxton Gilbert and Sullivan Festival. I can't believe I'm saying this, but anyway, um, I was I was doing a production of the Hot Mikado with a Dublin company, uh, going to the Buxton. Like this, it's a massive international um competitive Gilbert and Sullivan festival, um, and we were standing in the in the uh in the Ryanair queue in the airport, and I was like my sister was with me, and we were like totally you know completely on edge and uh and it was time, and so I logged onto one of the airport computers because we didn't like it this was whatever like there was no phone uh like we didn't have mobile or rather we didn't, have, like, <laughs> we didn't have like three g we didn't have like three g or whatever, and um, so I logged onto to the internet uh on the airport computer and got my results, and then the whole like uh, the whole queue was all full of us. There was like fifty people going, so it went up in the queue, and they were all going, "But what? Uh, why are you going? Like, why don't you become a doctor?" So, um, yeah, I felt that, that was a bit of an anticlimax me. Eh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, talk to me about your time at Trinity then. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, that's that as I like to call it, the real drama degree. Uh, it's turned out an awful lot of incredibly high flying people yeah. who've been very influential in the industry, and whatever else. What was your time there like?
1: It was um, illuminating and uh, it was, yeah, completely, it was, it was an interesting time. Like I, I read loads in, in terms of what I actually got out of the course, you know, brilliant, a brilliant foundation for, you know, everything or, or any path that I could have taken within, um, within theatre, within the industry. But, um, you know, I, I think I found Trinity quite, like as a place I, struggle to find a place in it yeah, why? Uh, uh like it's just really big and um I don't know I don't think I ever really settled into it because I was doing other things like I was working all the time or well not not as an actor but I was working all the time so I kind of uh I I looked upon it as an academic thing as opposed to a college life <laughs> let's do cake parties yes and things. okay but that's Yeah, but I think that's fine. But 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 that said, I mean, like I met, like there's, I've met loads and loads of people that I still know and will continue to know and are going to be the leading lights in the industry and uh, and I did have a brilliant time and uh, you know because of all the things that I learned.
0: Yeah, um, and did the academic end of it suit you? Because my recollection of it is when we were doing the BTS thing, like we had a couple of handful token. Mm. academic classes each week I think just to get it because we weren't that long and I think Burroughs' year of so the graduating class in 99 was the first time it had moved from two-year diploma to three-year degree and i so I was as, as Burroughs came out in 99 I went in in 99 so it was yeah. still very relatively new as the degree thing so I think they needed some kind of token academic thing sellotaped onto it to prove that it was worth doing mm-hmm. Um. so we so while we had some of that academic contact it was like few and far between and not all that stressful But did it suit you?
1: Yeah, I love reading and I love learning, and (laughs) um, it did. I kind of struggled at the start, as I think everybody does when they go into college, Mm. um, that it wasn't uh, the leaving search anymore and there was no right and wrong answer. But uh, once you kind of get over that, yeah, I really enjoyed the time to do that.
0: Interesting. So your four years finishes there, and as you say, you start looking at MAs and directing whatever else. Yeah. And then also (laughs) the idea of this brand new first yeah. ever class at the Lear comes along. Yeah. Um, at that point, going back to that airport queue where someone's going, why don't you go and be a doctor? Yeah. Having just done four years in Trinity, staring down the barrel of another three years in Trinity for seven years at university, yeah. i.e. the length of time it would take my to be a doctor. Uh... <laughs> what Tell me about the thought process of throwing yourself back into it at that stage.
1: I don't think I really did think about it that much. As I said, like there was a weird thing that my brain was going, this is fate or whatever. So I just did it and and I kind of I don't I don't know if I knew it was going to work out but I wanted it to work out.
0: Talk to me about the audition process then for the Lear um had they flown in a lot of people from Rada to make sure you were yeah, good enough? Yeah because there that?
1: was there, there was no Dublin staff like there okay. um we were all as far as I well I like, I know that we definitely were all chosen before they announced any of the staff or Lachlan as the director wow. or anything uh, so I don't know who's in place but uh, during our audition process uh, Brian Singleton um, featured very heavily as he <laughs> still does I'm not sure um, and um, Danielle Ryan Nona Shepbridge, uh and a load of other heads
0: Really? Mm-hmm. I mean that's fascinating to me because as I saw the, the staff at, at the BTS course change yeah. and evolve it was interesting to see how the class selection changed and evolved over the years yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So I think I mean I think people have their stamp on things, their flavor on things. Um so talked about the process of the Lear. I mean, how, ma- how much in terms of teething problems was there for them just trying stuff out for the first time? And also then how early did you know that that 15 was a pretty special 15?
1: Uh I don't know if I like when you say if I knew that that 15 was a special 15. I mean, we were just like we had, that was the amazing thing about it. We had no frame of reference. Oh yeah. Like, because, you know, we, the first day we went into, the, the first year we go into the building and there's 15, like literally 15 of us plus the staff and the seven playwrights just rattling around that building that's now bursting at the scenes. Yeah. Um So like we had no, um we couldn't see anybody going before us, like what way it was supposed to be. And, and that was brilliant. And it was brilliant for us as well um because because we had nobody that we were looking up to or nobody that we were chasing. Yeah. We just got a chance to be us and to um and there was no kind of like politics or um um cross pollination and you know everybody sleeping with everybody else or anything. Which is what drama school is mostly for, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Um we just kind not of not so much active like, training
0: as a dating. I don't know, but you know
1: what I mean? Like we just got a chance to um really gel together yeah. and uh and and that has been one of the brilliant things about it. Like we 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 got on so well with each other because I think I honestly do think because there was nobody else because we just had each other to mm. rely on and because we weren't fighting with anybody else for status or or anything.
0: Was there any pressure on you guys either from within yourselves or that you sensed from outside that this is the first roll of the dice you were the first class from the leer? we have to make this work yeah. because if we mess it all up then it all goes to
1: well, I don't know if we had to make it work, but we definitely felt uh yeah, you you could feel the 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 that people wanted it to work. Yeah. We knew that like the, all the way through there was, you know, people's uh, like little articles here and there about people like, you know, waiting for us to come and yeah. see, see what the results were going to be and then they're publishing like delirious forever books and <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, so yeah. we did, no so like we definitely did I felt it anyway. Um a pressure to to succeed. But also within that, there's a brilliant opportunity because we knew that everybody was waiting for us and everybody was going to want to come and and see.
0: Yeah. Uh, talk to me about the day-to-day experience of that actor training and how and how it differed from the drama degree.
1: Oh, it's a world of difference. Like um, you're down in that, you're not part of Trinity actually. Uh, down in the little building in Grand Canal Dock and um you're there from nine o'clock in the morning until I don't remember what time late. <laughs> and uh it's it's full time all teaching hours all the way through. It's like it's the most difficult thing I've ever done. Like the first term was oh, horrific. Like I nearly would cry thinking about it now. Um, but well, most terms had elements of that too. But also, I, but I
0: think for a lot of people, that first time or first year, like I would have had a very similar experience as well.
1: Yeah, because like it's just complete assault on all of your senses and a complete um, breakdown of an intentional breakdown of who you are and whatever chips you have on your shoulder, and uh, and that's good, but you can't really see that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Watching the trees feels, and all that. Yeah, it just feels hard. <laughs> Um, But, you know, like, the best thing I ever have done, like, the most enjoyable time I I have ever had.
0: And talk to me then about the your experiences there in terms of did you find yourself really good at movement and dance but struggled with interpreting text or really strong with improvisation but not so good with this or whatever or, or, and whether and and then were there other people around you where if you were kind of struggling in one area then she was incredible at this yeah. or he was amazing at that
1: yeah there's absolutely all that i think personally i having come from straight from the degree in Trinity, and um, that was my i kind of uh, I had to really force myself out of that part of my brain and into the doing part of my <laughs> brain. Um, but yeah, as you said, I mean, like it was a really diverse group where like there's a such a broad range of uh, skills and people were coming at it from such different uh, backgrounds. I, I was the only one that had come out of a degree in that year. And then there were people who had come directly from school and people who had uh, been working for a few years and people who had been trying for a few years to get into any drama school or, you know, so, like, every, there was a really wide range of uh, backgrounds, which which was great because we were all learning from each other as well.
0: And, that's and like, as you say, not everybody 18 fresh out of school, which I do oh, think no, is important few, as well.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I I would not have been able to handle that straight out of school.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I, cause I remember I did go straight out of school and to this day, I kind of, I would have preferred like the idea of going in at 23, I think would have been much smarter yeah. for me. Um, but equally, if you tried to say that to 18 year old oh, I would have yeah, shot yeah, you yeah, in the head. Yeah. Like, you know, I couldn't have done it. Um, uh, so right. Talk to me about the final year then, because where <laughs> for me, the year, the Lira is unique is there is such an amount of contact with the industry yeah so many opportunities to write different things i mean like are you looking at half a dozen graduating year productions more maybe um i
1: think we did five shows and a short
0: that's incredible yeah and, and also because you're not just working with people in-house you're working with the real directors of the real world yeah and how useful is that experience ages to be in the room working with different directors but mm-hmm. also establishing that network of connections with people out there in the industry oh yeah
1: god it's amazing because then like the first time that you go into like a real world audition the likelihood is that you're going to be going into a room with somebody that you already know and so that immediately takes away so much anxiety and um so yeah that that, that's that's brilliant but also the the discipline that you learn from just doing show after show after show and as soon as you start as soon as one opens your you get the script for the next one it's um, which is
0: exactly how it works in the real world every yeah, time yeah absolutely always
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i like, just in fairness i have just done a few months of doing that but like it's not as easy as it was in college because i kind of got out of the habit but anyway <laughs> um uh,
0: so let's talk about your final year again because uh, as the recognized number one fan of the lear mm-hmm. uh it's not true only that I was. after a
1: certain period. Yeah, it's true.
0: not true that I was always the number one fan of the Lear, mm. and it's now can be said because it's only between me and you, and no one will ever hear this, mm. uh, that I may or may not have had a boycott of the Lear.
1: Yeah.
0: At the start, and so um, I missed.
1: What made that change for
0: you? Um, I, on, well, look, honestly, what? We'll <laughs> okay, no, I'll be dead straight about it. As you know, the reason I had a legit boycott of the Lear was because I didn't agree with some of the branding around how it was being launched. I, mm. The the idea of selling it as the first time there'd ever been proper Conservative style training in the country was. Paintly a lie and it annoyed me. Uh, and also I had, a, I had a big fucking bee in my bonnet about the Radar connection, going, ah well look, if Rada says we're good, then we're great. Um and I was and the whole point for me of what the old course had done and the gate stuff was done said, look, you know, we there's enough talent here on the island that we don't need validation from the UK. Like Irish people can stand up on their own two feet, and be great. And so I had a big fucking bee in my bonnet and I was completely wrong about all of it because then I decided when your showcase came around that the time was, oh, I gone okay. like, okay, as not, not me as Ango, but me as Mr. Mm-hmm. Rise Productions who may or may not have to cast these people in due course. I, can, I owe it to myself and to the company to go and check it out. And
1: So you're rocked up with your bag of rotten tomatoes. So I rocked up with my
0: bag of rotten tomatoes for the audition showcase, uh, the graduating showcase thing. And am I right in thinking you were the first person to walk on stage that day?
1: Oh. Uh, yes, me and one
0: Liam Heslin. You and one Liam Heslin walk on stage and within about five seconds or went Oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> I've been so wrong. And it's like and from that like it was proper like road to Damascus Epiphany um and has gone, I've been so wrong. I was a fucking moron. I feel really stupid having missed those first few shows. And from that good day to this I literally haven't missed a Lear final year show. Oh,
1: that's
0: good. I think well that's good now. Well done. But thank you very much. Um talking about the ones I missed then.
1: Uh yeah. Do you have to name them?
0: Well yeah. So famously I missed the Mary Stewart.
1: You yeah. Which famously? Was, well I think so. Okay. Well you missed that. Uh what else? Um Scenes from the Big Picture was our very first show that all fifteen of us were in. Uh then we did Mary Stewart, you missed Bowl Girls as well at the same yeah. time as that. Uh what was after that? Twelfth night and the night season. You missed those.
0: Yes I did. For season. I will be forever. <laughs> uh sad about that but also happy now that i saw the error of my ways mm-hmm. and uh converted mm-hmm. um let's so yeah look i from the second you walked on stage you're going oh okay these guys can do it um and then the more and more of you kept coming out and you saw this like i said you know 15 actors who were incredibly polished at that stage and like you said, pretty diverse as well in terms mm-hmm. of different people different skill sets yeah. kind of like a, a really solid mix of incredible actors so then I came back for the next show, which ludicrously was into the woods. Ah, uh, yeah. Like the idea that a drama school would have the balls to even attempt that is mental. Like, the idea that you would have a company of actors that would all be competent enough to pull that off. Just it's so beyond my frame of any concept of what would be possible in a drama school setting. Mm. And you guys were incredible in it. Okay. <laughs> did you? <laughs> Your question. There. I, I don't know. You can talk about that show,
1: maybe. Um. Actually I was just watching it the other night on I was watching the the uh, movie yeah. on TV the other night and I was just remembering god we had a great crack on that like it, it, you're right like we we shouldn't I mean nobody particularly had the correct skill set to do that but like there's that kind of thing of um when you don't know that you shouldn't be able to do something maybe okay <laughs> um and now like I'm speaking I'm aware I'm thinking of people in who were in that company? Who are maybe listening to me right now, going, "What is she talking about? I hated that." But um, I'm so I'm coming at this from like I love musicals, um, so I had an absolute ball on that. But I think everybody was so part maybe partly because it wasn't we weren't like a company of musical theater actors. We uh came at it, we just looked at it in a different way, um. So I think there was lots of. Brilliant things in that show. Yeah, you're right. Because just, of because it wasn't technically musical theatre, e.
0: Yeah, no, I I adored it. It was fantastic. And then obviously that was followed up by the clearing. Yeah. Um, where a you were phenomenal and b you were working with Annabelle. Mm. What was it like working with Annabelle? Amazing. She's pretty good, isn't she?
1: Oh, she's deadly. <laughs> I love Annabelle. <laughs> um, yeah, it was brilliant. A lovely play. Um. That like I still remember parts of that. You know the way like you, you or or rather maybe not the lines, but like the feeling that you had in certain moments. Um, and I loved the whole process of working with her on that play. Like her her detail and text, it's just amazing, unparalleled. I think.
0: Yeah, she's pretty special. Um, two things happened after I saw that show. Mm. Uh, so it's curtain call. Bow bow bow. bow applause applause applause. I walked out of the theater, walked straight out to the box office and bought myself another ticket for the following week and sent Brian Burrows a text message that said, who is this Rachel O'Byrne girl? I want to build shows around her. Um, So what was kind of fascinating for me was it's that weird thing that you were coming that you were absolutely fresh, hadn't even graduated yet. Mm. So you were completely new. And yet at that stage, you had effectively seven years of drama training under your belt and all the experience of everything yeah. they'd gone on before. So you were kind of arriving perfectly formed, but still entirely fresh.
1: Oh, Do I know about that now?
0: Well, I, look, it was, it was a pretty special thing. Um, but again, it was true for a lot of you guys, but I, but I think there was a, a real special quality to what you were doing, and I was massively excited about it. And oh yeah,
1: but a great part though, you know. Yeah. But, um, like you really get, a, at a part like that, you really get a chance to kind of go nuts.
0: Yeah, that was fab and you did a great job. Um, So how quickly, and that was your final show. Yeah, that was it. So how quickly after that did things start happening for you? I mean, because you did a movie very early on. Uh,
1: Yes, in October. And before that I was working, I was in Galway for the summer. What what were you doing in Galway? uh, Yeah, well, it sounds more impressive than it was. (laughs) (laughs) I was working with... Drew it on uh, the world premiere of a brand Tom new Tom Murphy play. Uh, play Bridget, which is the companion play to uh, Balio Angora. Gora. And um, now, like I, when I say like I had a walk on part, like I didn't even have any lines, but uh, I didn't care because all of previously mentioned reasons, but, but also the fact that I was in. Um, in a room with like the five amazing actors plus Ashley, Sullivan, and Catherine Walsh who were doing Bodyguard as well and I didn't have any real pressure on me to perform per se and I just got to watch them which was fantastic and kind of gave me a chance to go ooh, I do that the same way that they do or rather they don't know what they're doing yet either. And, like, so that was kind of a brilliant thing, like a little rest to kind of uh, find my way in and watch people doing things without um, without me having to do them as well.
0: And so, yeah, so, like, within weeks of graduating, you're yeah, straight yeah, yeah. into World Paper of Tom Murphy with yeah. Druid at the Dublin Theatre Festival. Yeah. That's not a bad start, right?
1: Uh, no, it's great. great.
0: <laughs> um, how quickly did I... Approach you then for At The Fort? Uh,
1: I was in Galway. So oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was that quick? Yeah.
0: Good. I'm glad. Um, and then when did the movie arrive? Uh,
1: pretty soon after we left college, a week or two after we left college, uh, Amy Rowan was casting for Rebecca Daly's film uh, Mammal, uh, so I got a nice little part in that. Which was shooting then in October, I think. In, yeah, in October in uh, Dublin and in Luxembourg.
0: So were you filming both locations?
1: Yeah. That's good. I kind know, of it was like, Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, How did you find uh, transposing stuff onto screen then? I mean, had you guys done much screen training? Uh, well, yeah, you'd done a short, hadn't you? Yeah,
1: we had done a short in college. And, um, yeah, but I was still terrified. I'd never done anything on that scale before. And yeah. you've got like Rachel Griffiths, like, is pretty um significant uh lovely woman and um and like a whole other cast of heads like one Barry killan and uh, whatever happened to him, yeah, and you know Michael michael hatton, and like a whole crowd of like fantastic actors and I'm going, oh my god, what am I doing here um but yeah it was it was it was great, and Rebecca is a brilliant director, and uh so I had a nice time on that
0: um so, yeah. So then, hang on. So the next year you're straight into the theatre festival again. Now, I know you did stuff in meantime, but back in the festival for us with at the ford Yeah. Um, how did you find working with that great actor Angus Macaulay? <laughs> had you had a great time?
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, that show was very. Sorry, is my voice going? No, no, it's okay. Yeah, that show was um. Again that was another first because I had never that was the first time that um Gavin had written it with knowing that I was going to be in it, so yeah. that was a part that was written for me, I suppose you could say, and so then that's like a really interesting process to watch how that evolves and also to go, oh well Gavin knows me a little bit yeah. and he's writing this for me, and this is where Gavin thinks I should be going. that's like in you know an interesting way to. <laughs> to look at things how much contact did
0: you have with Gavo over the years in the Lear was he was there was
1: uh, yeah he uh, Gavin uh, is uh, was there from the very beginning oh cool yeah. okay.
0: so you knew each other fairly well at that stage I
1: suppose yeah, yeah. yeah. well as much as yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it's
1: weird the way your relationships change now that, that like all those people that were which is the brilliant thing about the Lear the fact that actually most of the staff are working within the industry um, it's weird the way your relationships change with them when you work with them after they're not your teacher anymore. Yeah. It's great.
0: Yeah, it's a strange one because there is that thing of you do need to keep an element of, you know, pupil teacher <clears throat> yeah, yeah. distance for a while for the period that you need it. But then, I mean, again, the nature of our business, it's a very collegiate attitude and atmosphere was stuff. So yeah. that when that gets thrown to the side, it's kind of special.
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and, and the same on at the, the, the exact same thing with Brian Burroughs.
0: Yeah, of course. my um, favourite. Yeah, it's funny because I mean it was, it was a really interesting one for me because clearly I was a big fan and I had seen the stuff you had done in between, but there was an element still going in blind because mm. oh yeah yeah um because we hadn't worked together yeah and while I knew like the end product of your work I had never been around your mm. process as such and so there is the risk that you know you're gonna be <laughs> at the of- fluke <laughs> <laughs> you know? um but I remember really early on. All the stuff that I had, from what I had seen, all the stuff that I had hoped would be your style was your style. Really quickly, um, and the thing I always say about you is, uh, to use a guy analogy, it's your off the ball work that is much more interesting to me. Like it's not that you could, it's not that you score great goals and great points, although you do. Uh, it's your off the ball runs that are what make you special, and what I mean by that is effectively just your listening. What you do. Okay thanks for explaining that, i know you never uh, ever would have got the garbage no. but um but your the the quality and the nature of your listening i think is what sets you apart is that something that you are aware of or actively work on or something that you kind of think is a good skill to have or something that's admirable well,
1: i mean i think everybody would probably say that it's the key i don't like
0: only the unselfish ones do you think yeah there's not a <laughs> lot of idiots out there that act in their own little magical around yeah, the... but,
1: like, it is kind of one of the most commonly heard phrases, even if you don't actually do it, everybody says that listening Because <laughs> the
0: they know what's the right thing yeah. to say.
1: I think, well, I think so, yeah. Yeah,
0: but, but you'd do it.
1: Yeah, but how could you not?
0: If you were an Egypt. But like, there's not a lot of successful <laughs> Egypt's out there, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit then about, not necessarily your process as such, but like, what, what's good acting? Either when do you know that you're oh, doing gosh. good acting, or when do you know that you're seeing good acting, or playing the opposite of good acting? Uh,
1: as soon as I think I might be doing good acting, I usually lose it. Okay. <laughs> um, what is good acting? Well, well it's somebody that, that is listening to me. Yeah. It's in the eyes. Actually, you can see listening. I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm yes. It's that's. I suppose I don't like when I'm when I'm watching. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I want to think oh my god, I could never do that. I want it to be unattainable. Yeah. Whatever it is.
0: That's fascinating. I want to
1: forget that that I also do that as my job.
0: Do you get those moments often?
1: Not very often.
0: Well, no, but that's what makes it special.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I'd agree. I like those ones where, because a lot of and again, it's the nature of the business. They're going, not just, you know, I should have got that part or I could do that better. Yeah. But it's thing of you watching, you're going to go, oh, that's an interesting approach, but I would have done it differently. And again, it's just that inside track of being in the industry. But that moment where you go, actually, you no, know, that's just special. I would never, ever that's do that. That's just a different thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, they're kind of fun, aren't they? Yeah. Um, well, speaking of that kind of listening and, and seeing it in the eyes and stuff, you have a pretty special working relationship with an actor that goes by the name Liam mm. um, And I saw you two as a double act in The Clearing, in that final show. Yeah. Uh, and more recently, you appeared as a double act in Rice Productions' uh, production of The Good Father. Yeah. What was it like to come back to working with Liam? Had you worked with him since? No. Nope. So that was the first time since yeah. The Clearing, basically.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: what was it like to come back to that and... What does that What does bringing that experience into a rehearsal room do for you? And how you approach something?
1: Well, it's just uh, it's like coming home, I suppose. Um, like the thing about the the three years that you spend, like those people come to know you better than you know yourself, and they probably like, and it's not a conscious thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's just um just happens because you spend so much time together and you see each other in such vulnerable moments and brilliant moments as well and um and i don't know i like i think we'd probably both say that but there's just something like we have good chemistry with each other and uh and so it's just a joy like it makes it so like you don't even obviously you have to try but like so much of the work is already done
0: yeah in that the, well the biggest thing for me is that all the not awkwardness, but the gonna kind of the the getting to know you stuff of like a week one yeah. of rehearsal is out the window. They, all the familiarity is yeah. already there, which I guess is massively useful. Um, can we talk, Craig Gatsby? Uh, let's. Um,
1: what a low and vulgar girl. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't okay. we can so cut like, that back. Pa- I pa- pa- love your response.
0: <laughs> um, so this was by any objective measure a <clears throat> special production. Yeah. What was it like to be on the inside of it?
1: Fantastic and exhausting. Uh, like I, I, um, I don't. When I got the call to go in for audition, I that was the first I'd heard about it. So like I didn't, I don't think anybody had really heard about it before that. Um, and and I was like. Oh, uh, like so excited! It sounded amazing. What they were like. Well, first of all, the Great Gatsby. I was like, yes, I want to be in that. I should be in that. But also then, like, what they were going to do with it, and um, and it was t- to to actually be in it and to be in it at that time, and and what it represented in terms of the theater and um the kind of um and Selena's uh, the beginning of Selena's career at the theater and um it just all of it and then what it actually was was just <sighs> i don't think i'll probably ever do anything like that again
0: um it was properly special or it certainly felt to me that was properly special a because it was a legit sellout you couldn't get tickets for it it yeah. was like properly massively popular yeah. with the theater the theater going public critically acclaimed but also kind of i guess tying back to that that feeling for you guys of the first year coming out of the Lear for you to be the first company of actors on Selena's watch as well are mm-hmm. not with her directing but as this is as her statement of intent yeah. for the theater um did that feel pretty special
1: absolutely like yeah i mean you know uh the nature of it was that we had to rehearse like we weren't in a well obviously we had the rehearsal room but like we needed to rehearse it all over the whole building so like even though there was a show uh private lives was just finishing up like for the first week we were rehearsing on the private Lives set and on all of the like and through the auditorium and like so you know immediately we got in there like we were all over the place and we just took it we had to just take the building like commandeer it i suppose and um and and so it felt like a massive uh, uh, cleansing or, you know, like we, it it was, yeah, that, I suppose cleansing is the best word. Well, I think it's great
0: because, I, and it's a funny thing because I, I remember being at the show uh, and for the first time in forever, to quote Disney's Frozen, uh, <laughs> not feeling like I was at the gate. It was always a weird feeling I had yeah. at the gate in that... It didn't feel that it was a theatre for me. It felt like it was a theatre for elderly ladies in fur coats looking at posh frocks. Not to say that there wasn't great work that went on there because there was a huge amount of great work that did go on there. And a lot of great shows that I've seen over the years happened at the gate. But I never felt never felt part of that building. And it's not just because I never worked there. It's just I never, it was a weird thing. And suddenly it did feel, uh, it did feel that you had reclaimed the building to accept extent because you literally went and reclaimed yeah. the entire building. Yeah. Yeah. Um I
1: think that's a good way to put
0: it. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I love it as a statement of intent from Selena and I and I love the tie-in from when Jimmy Fay took over at the lyric that it was Selena who came in to direct punk rock for yeah. his first thing. Um and in the way that Punk Rock was a real statement of Absolutely. hello middle class Belfast, welcome to what Jimmy Faye's yeah. lyric is gonna look like. Um and still probably my favourite piece of theatre I've ever seen in my life. Um, would be a thing um, for me also, yeah. Uh that to then have Selena do a very similar thing and in such a smart way, the idea of completely ripping up the rule book, but still having a continuity through the recognizable brand of Gatsby and you know yeah. encouraging the audience to dress up and that it's it felt like it was an incredibly astute mechanism to bridge the new and the old.
1: I think yeah, it was very, very clever on on that part and when and, now all of this I mean like it was terrifying. Yeah. Like it was actually like when the, the the first preview like we got the half hour call and we're all sitting around or whatever like 10 minutes before the show or something I was gonna walk out like I was like I cannot I cannot do this (laughs) because actually the worst part of it was like all of the I knew exactly where I was supposed to go and when and everything and the timings I was like that's fine I can learn that we can all learn that but like talking to people (laughs) was the thing and them being allowed to talk back. Mm-hmm. That was... Like, ew, I can't describe how scary it was. And that never actually really went away. I mean, I got... Like, you get... Um, I suppose... You get you pick up the techniques to do it and, like, you have all the lines and everything. And But, like, I never really... I never really got control of that. Of the, like the audience
0: interaction stuff?
1: No, no, no. Of the fear of it. I mean, I like, I think I probably could handle anything and like I even had an easy go of it because Jordan was you know like very upper class and the white dress and the pearls and everything like people weren't taking the same liberties with me that they were taking with other members of the cast okay. that they felt like the ca- that the characters were um like Myrtle Wilson for example <laughs> like Avine could handle anything okay. now. <laughs> um, but like the the I don't know like I I I'm not a naturally extroverted person, so like I, I never got over the kind of uh the anxiety of of interacting with people and not being able to control or not never knowing fully what was going to happen.
0: You talked a little bit earlier on about that system of that final year of drama school going yeah. show to show to show. Uh and you have over the last whatever six or nine months you kind of double jobbed for most of it.
1: Uh yeah. Um, a very rare thing but
0: yeah, yeah. but a wonderful thing yeah. if, it, if it doesn't kill you yeah um, talk to me a little bit about that experience and I guess in some respects gone straight from the audience interaction interaction of Gatsby into then the the kings yeah, and queens yeah, yeah, yeah. of audience interaction with uh, Anu for the yeah. festival
1: oh completely different ball game yeah um, like oh yeah you can't really compare I mean people will put them in the same category because the audience are there in both of them but it's a completely different thing like um the audience i think it with a new which are a brilliant audience because they're they're such a loyal um committed audience at this stage uh are so much more respectful like we we got to a stage at the end of like because it was such a hiss, I think like people were coming, which is a brilliant thing. People were coming into the theater that had never been before, but they just didn't like understand a lot of the time that we were real people to who <laughs> may or may not be offended by what you're saying under the influence of the cocktails. Um, should I be saying this? Yeah, totally. We can that's cut fine. it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and within uh, so I mean, and obviously the subject matters completely different thing um so yeah like uh, uh, i suppose i knew was almost a break right <laughs> um from having gone from this big mental thing to go to i mean it's a completely different energy and obviously it's a totally, um it's an energy that requires its own attention and uh, care and uh, your professionalism but um but a completely different
0: thing and another theater festival show for you yeah. How many theatre festival shows have you done in the few years that you've been out? In
1: the four years that I have been out, I have done four theatre festivals. Come on, seriously? <laughs>
0: yeah. That's amazing. Um, I don't know,
1: it's just coincidence. So.
0: Yeah, definitely just coincidence, nothing to do with hard work and talent. Um, so, The Abbey, The Gate, yeah. Druid, yeah. Theatre Festival, the exciting independent companies like Anu and Rise. <laughs> um, what is. Success for you because that sounds an awful lot like if I was an actress your age looking around it like what would I want? I go I would like Rachel O'Brien's career, please. Thank you very much. Do you feel do you feel like you have attained a level of success?
1: Um, I don't know. No, I don't want to say no because that sounds like I know that I have had uh, brilliant opportunities, which I'm uh, very thankful for all of them. Um. But, like, you know, the thing is, like, I, I still spend about half my year not working. And I know that most people, that's the case for them as well. But, like, it doesn't... For most people, that be a good year, but go <laughs> no, on. <laughs> but, well, like, yeah, but, like, I don't know what's coming up now. Like, I, I've come to the end of six months of double jobbing, but I have no idea what's coming up now. Um, and, and I think that, like, yeah, I don't know, what does success feel like? Because really your cv is only really it all just comes down to my cv that all of those things are just my cv now do you um, know what i mean
0: yeah but in terms of ambition then yeah do you i mean if you can continue working like this yeah. with you know great companies great directors great scripts and stuff is that is that enough for you or if it's anything less than five oscars is that not success
1: <laughs> i don't know, like I don't think that's really Oscar is not my real ambition but like I want to um my ambition is greater than this country. Um I love this country. I love the industry in this country, but I also want to do all the other ones as well. And um and yeah, and all the yeah, I want to be in all the I want to work in all the other companies I haven't worked in yet and I want to do all the parts that I want to do and I don't know <laughs> I just want to do it all but I, think that's okay. I think that I spotted success I suppose uh, variation I think that I have been lucky in most of the, like I, I haven't really I don't think that I've really doubled up on like a character type so far which is something that I'm really pleased about but I don't think I'm there yet and I don't think that I think that would be a sad thing if I just this is the way I wanted to continue
0: okay no, but, I, but I think that's good I think, it's, I think it's good to know that you've achieved a lot so far but still be wanting more I think that's a really healthy way to be yeah um yeah that's fantastic like I'm
1: still at a stage where I when I when I start a new job and you go on the first day like I still have to introduce myself to most people in the room
0: okay that's not an that inter- not, and that's a, a,
1: That's not to say that, like, I, I want to, people to know my name. I, that's not what I mean. But, like, I have never met most people in the room before. Yeah.
0: In the way that for someone with more yes. years experience than you, when you walk into a hospital on day one, half the cast you've already worked still, with... Like, i still introduce that, you know, myself to them. Yeah. As opposed it's to sitting in the corner like, reading <laughs> yeah. a like With, a, cigarette, a yeah. cigarette in one of those holders. Yeah. So, at this stage, then with like a pretty solid body of work behind you, but still comparatively very early in your career. Yeah. What excites you most then about the work and the future and, you know, the road that lies ahead?
1: The unknown. Um. All the things that I could do that I don't even know that probably aren't even invented yet. Um, And I don't know, I mean like, the happiest part of the job for me is rehearsals. So if I could just be in rehearsals forever, (laughs) that'd be brilliant.
0: (laughs) You're not the first person to say that to me. Why, what is it about the rehearsal process that you enjoy so much?
1: I love the collaboration. I love the anticipation the anticipation of the show going up is often better than the reality <laughs> yeah, awesome. of of what it turns out to be. The possibility of it and um, and the crack.
0: Yeah, I like it. Well, Rach, I, I look forward <laughs> to having anticipation and excitement and crack with you in many rehearsal rooms for years to come. As thank you know, you. I am a big fan. Uh, and I now like to embarrass you by calling you a Rice Productions regular. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully I can cling on to you for as long as possible. Uh, thank you very much, Rachel. It's brilliant to have you on. Thank you. So there you have it, the great Rachel O'Byrne. Brilliant to sit down for the chat with her. And even though we were talking for over 45 minutes, there's so much that we didn't cover, but don't worry, something tells me you'll be hearing a lot more about Rachel for many, many years to come. I just hope I can hang on to her here at Rise for as long as possible. And so that brings us to our usual weekly roundup of theatrical goings-on around the country. At the Abbey Theatre, they still have Let the Right One In, which I'm hearing increasingly brilliant things about, so I'm going to go check that out myself very soon, as indeed I am hearing about the Red Shoes at the Gate. Um, at the Gaiety, Rapunzel continues there, the standard Gaiety Panto. Um, at the Gosh, they have the the sound of Music Starring the brilliant Lucio Burns, Sister of Rachel um, And that'll be Followed by Beautiful um, At the New Theatre They have Save and Quit And at the Civic Theatre In Tallah They have Lunatic There I Go Directed by the awesome Aoife Spillane Hinks My long term Partner in crime um, Although I believe Tickets are selling Very heavily for that So if you're planning On going along I would say Book immediately If not sooner um, At the Viking Theatre In Clontarf They have Typhoid Mary Bewley's has All Honey Smock Alley has all those shows for the first Fortnite festival do please go and check that out there's a wide diverse program there well worth taking a look at at the Project Arts Centre they have If We Got Some More Cocaine I Could Show You How I Love You what an amazing title and that of course is starring the brilliant Alan Mann uh, who was a classmate of Rachel's back at the Lear and then as we head south to the Everyman in Cork Beauty and the Beast is still going on there Um, at the Bell Table in Limerick there's Into Mines and up north at the Lyric in Belfast. There is What the Reindeer Saw and Beauty and the Beast. So that is us. That is episode nine in the books. We will of course be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers. But in the meantime, this has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. For Angus Ogh McAnally, I'm Angus Ogh Macanally. We'll see you next week.